and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be stricken with scabies if you infested me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Purpose-driven marketing. Stu Swineford reveals the principles and pillars of purpose-driven marketing that will keep your donors engaged and wanting to support your mission. He's co-author of the ebook Mission Uncomfortable. On Tony's Take Two, Planned Giving Accelerator. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Here is Purpose-Driven Marketing. It's my pleasure to welcome for his first time on Nonprofit Radio, Stu Swineford. He is a mountain fella, cinephile, and co-founder of Relish Studio, a digital marketing firm that creates conversion-focused marketing solutions for nonprofits. With Aaron Rickson, he's co-author of the ebook Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. He and the company are at Relish Studio and RelishStudio.com. Welcome to Nonprofit Radio, Stu. Well, thank you so much for having me on today, Tony. Pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, we got to take care of the most obvious uh, things first uh, before we get to your book and, and purpose-driven marketing. You're a mountain fella. So I true. assume that means you live in the mountains? I do. Uh, we live up here at about 9,000 feet up, kind of west of Denver. Nederland is kind of the closest, biggest town. Um, but I uh, live in a little cabin that was built in the 40s uh, here in the woods with my wife and our our uh, slew of pets, which hopefully will not interrupt us today. <laughs> That's okay. We're very family friendly on that. <laughs> nice. Family embracing, not just family friendly, family embracing. So nine thousand feet. So you're so you're one of those people who follows the uh, the high the high altitude directions on baking. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and those are actually mostly geared for Denver, which is about uh, you know fifty four hundred feet. So we have to make even more adjustments usually when we're doing things up here. And do you need special cars uh, or special mm. equipment on your cars to drive at that altitude? Because no, not really. Is- not really. Everything's electronically controlled at this point. So oh. you don't you don't have to make too many adjustments. I okay. think an older car or, or older motorcycles, for sure, you have to rejet um, in order to perform well at, at uh, higher altitudes. But uh, for older ones. OK. Yeah. Okay. yeah and most are, you of the- ski- uh, are you skiing there in the mountains? Well, not currently. Uh, we we don't have. We got a little bit of snow last week, but it's mostly gone. Um, I believe a basin actually opened last week, so they are skiing up a little higher than we are located. Um, and Eldora, which is the local ski area, is threatening to open here toward the end of the month. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's been a little bit warm. Uh, okay, I see. Yeah, and this is uh, we're, we're recording in uh, mid October. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are you a cross country skier? Do you? I do. do. You, I know. I Nordic ski and and backcountry ski. I don't go to the resorts all that much anymore. I used to be a big resort guy, and um, I used to ski about eighty days a year. Um, oh and I, I would say last year I probably got twenty or twenty five days in, um, but it was mostly backcountry skiing. Mm, okay. And cinephile. 
Yeah, I uh, have a favorite director or genre. Well, I love the Coen brothers. They're probably my favorite uh, directors. Um, And I used to write for Film Threat and I was a I was a a critic for a short period of time Um, and uh, just love watching movies. And and, uh, that that's something that I enjoy. Yeah. Wonderful. You have a favorite Coen Brothers movie? That's hard. That's hard. It's tough. I'm not sure. I, I may be asking you a question that I couldn't <laughs> answer myself. But. Many of their films um, have something to be enjoyed. I would say my go-to favorite when people ask is Miller's Crossing, which was one of their earlier films um, starring Gabriel Byrne. Yes. And uh, it's it's just a, you know, it's it's an it's a fun little movie, but you know, I I've watched the big Lebowski. I don't know how many times. And um, you know, they, they have a, a great uh, collection and selection of movies for people. Yeah. Oh brother, where art thou mm-hmm. burn after reading? These are some, these are some, but Miller's crossing. Yeah. I, with Gabriel Byrne. I've, I've seen that a few times that I, I think I might have that one in my collection. I'm, I'm pretty discerning about which movies I actually purchase physical copies of so that I can watch them when I want to not right. when the streaming services decide that they want to have them on for six months. And uh, I think Miller's crossing is in there because that that's uh it's an early one, uh, but he's um uh, he's a, he's a interest. It's an interesting uh, gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Gangster profile, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a gangster movie set in the, yeah. in the prohibition era. Right. Um, so, it just so, has yes. great, great dialogue and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's not for the whole family for sure, but, uh, but it's definitely a, a good one. If, if yeah. people haven't right, checked right. that one out. Hudsucker proxy too. Hudsucker's great. Raising Arizona. Don't name that, name that yeah. often, but uh, Paul Newman, um, Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The circle. It's a circle for kids. <laughs> it's for kids. All right. You know, it's a circle, you know, for, for kids. kids. Yeah. So, all right. So Coen Brothers fans, you will get that. Uh, you'll get that reference. If not, you can watch the Hudsucker proxy and, uh, and you'll get it. All right. Um, so purpose-driven marketing. Why don't we just define this thing? What, what is this first? Well, purpose-driven marketing in our minds is here at Relish is, um, is really marketing that has a goal in mind. And then also we really try to work with purpose focused leaders who have something bigger than just making money in mind for their organization. So whether they're a a 1% for the planet partner or a nonprofit or a B Corp, um, those are the kinds of people that we really like to work with. And, and uh, you know, I sort of, I guess I, I grew into this over the years at, at Relish. We started in 2008 and in about 2013, 2014, my business partner and I started thinking, wow, you know, we're, we have this opportunity as, as entrepreneurs and business owners to, to really create something different than just a, an organization or a business that, that is here to make money. We can actually kind of mold this in, in our own fashion. And so we started looking for ways to create some giving back here at Relish. And that was when we joined 1% for the Planet, Colorado Outdoor Business Alliance, organizations like that, that um, Colorado Nonprofit Association that enabled us to, to start to kind of codify or, or formalize our giving back, as well as, you know, really meet and, um, and be able to serve those people who are doing a lot more in the world than just, you know, funding uh, the owner's next you know, vacation home or yacht yeah. or something like that. Um, <clears throat> in terms why, of, 
of conversion focus, however, you know, that's another piece of the purpose component um, is, is really making sure that uh, people's marketing is aligned with a goal and that we're helping them achieve that goal. So it's, it's just a thoughtful way of approaching the whole marketing space um, where it, it becomes, you know, something that you're investing in. Um, it's not just an expense. It's something that's actually creating a return on that investment. And you you, uh, you focus a lot on building relationships through purpose driven marketing. So how, yeah. how just as an overview, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to your four pillars. But sure. how, how do you see purpose driven marketing contributing to relationship building? Well, we look at marketing as really that's all marketing is is building relationships. And really, instead of attempting to sell all the time, um, we see marketing that works as, as an opportunity to create a relationship and to build a connection as opposed to just trying to sell something. Um, you know, usually in, in any kind of transactional relationship, um, you have to get to know the person, uh, trust, like them, um, and then move on to kind of being able to try and, and buy. And then hopefully people move into the kind of this repeat and refer a portion of their, of their life cycle. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's all about creating this atmosphere where people um, not only know who you are, but, uh, but really get to like you and to trust you in order to uh, take that next step, which is to, to try and to buy your services or your, um, you know, your organization's um benefits that they're bringing, that you're bringing to the, to the marketplace and to the nonprofit space in particular. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we see marketing is, is just really creating opportunities to build upon um, interactions and create a, a really strong, solid relationship with people. And you take time to make sure people are not thinking of marketing as a, as a pejorative, you know, that it's, that it's, I don't know that you use the word, I don't think you use the word salesy, but you know, you uh, you're, you're making sure people are, are looking at marketing the way you and Aaron are and not the way, you know, an Amazon uh, looks at, looks at marketing. Well, it's interesting, even in the Amazon space, but the short answer is yes, but even in the Amazon space, they're trying to create opportunities for, um, for relationship building. So there, yeah, there is, right. there are some know, lessons to be learned from yeah. the corporate side. Yeah. yeah. And, as well. right. and that's how we just kind of see marketing. So whether that's selling a widget where you have to convince somebody that, that this is a durable, um, you know, tool that will solve whatever problem it is that they're trying to solve. Um, you're, you're always trying to build a relationship there. You're always trying to create an opportunity for somebody to get to, to know that company, um, understand why they're doing things and, uh, and believe that, that this transaction is going to result in a positive, um, outcome and and whether that's a long term kind of uh, approach where you are trying to convince a, a donor to give you know thousands and thousands of dollars to your organization or a, a very short term relationship where you're just trying to convince somebody to i don't know buy a soda uh, because they're thirsty um you know it it is all about creating that uh, ability and opportunity to um for for people to start to know like and trust you in that in that connect and and um and convert phase of the 
of the scenario. Yeah, yeah. Know, like, and trust. Yeah. Trust is when you can build trust with folks, uh, then uh, they're so much more likely to open your open your messages, uh, follow your calls to action. You know, when there's trust with the brand mm-hmm. and the work, that's um, that's a pinnacle in a relationship. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, relationships are built through interactions over uh, some period period of time. Yeah. And so whether those interactions are, you know, commercials that are aired um, or emails that are sent and uh, questions that are answered um, or even, you know, social media outreach and, uh, and back and forth, when you can create, when you can create that interaction, when you can create that, that back and forth, that then solidifies and builds and strengthens strengthens that relationship. And so those are the kinds of things that we help our clients and and partners uh, facilitate through marketing. Yeah. It's interesting, the back and forth, not just the one way, you know, messages going from us to those we're trying to build trust with. Yep. Say a little more about how it's, how it's two way communication, not, not one way. Yeah. So that's actually one of the things we see people one of the bigger mistakes people make in the social media space is that they use social media as kind of a, a, a soapbox where they get on and they, you know, present their, you know, whatever, whatever it is of the day, whether it's a sales pitch or uh, even a, a, an item of value, but they fail to try to build those relationships. Um, and, you know, social media is at its core, a social component, which requires, a back and forth, which requires, um, you know, companies and their, you know, their, the people who are working with them to go out and, and create opportunities to start those conversations on social media. So instead of simply going to your particular platform and, and posting something, um, you know, really one needs to be out there, um, interacting and, and commenting and posting on other people's materials as well as posting on, on your own materials and answering questions. Um, Google reviews is actually a great, another great example of a place where people have an opportunity to create a back and forth, whether that's a positive review or a negative review that someone has left about your organization, um, you know, making sure that you answer that and even try to create, you know, opportunities for back and forth. So ask open-ended questions, um, you know, comment on how beautiful that photo was on Instagram and then ask them a question about, you know, what inspired them to take that or what camera settings they used or, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the, the thing is that inspires those conversations and, and gets people going back and forth that tends to create those opportunities to build a relationship. It's time for a break. Turn to communications, content creation, content is king. The medium is the message. Birds of a feather flock together. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, well, the the first two of those apply. We don't we don't need the uh, the birds and the apples. But content, content. If you need content in the coming year for for what? For digital, for print, for an annual report, for some other re- report to the board, content. If you need content for your social channels, they can do all this. Turn to 
They'll help you hone your messaging. And as far as uh, press, get your messages out in the channels that you've heard me talk about, like Chronicle of Philanthropy, New York Times, Washington Post, Detroit Free Press, etc. CBS Market Watch. So content. If you need content for whatever purpose, think about turn two. You need help. Get this off your plate. They're the pros. They write it. They'll, they'll, they'll get it off your shoulders because your story is their mission. Turn hyphen two dot co. Now back to purpose driven marketing. In that spirit, uh, the, the reason I was attracted to you, uh, reached out to you to be a guest is you posted something interesting on LinkedIn. So I looked a little further in LinkedIn and you had a phone number that mm-hmm. folks could pick up and say, you know, if you want to chat, reach me, reach me here. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll, let me chat with the guy. I'm going to pick up the, sorry, uh, like five minutes after I had read your post and did a little research, I said, oh, I'm going to talk to the guy. So you created an opportunity for people to reach you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I grabbed it. I thought, first of all, it's very unusual for someone to put a phone number and it didn't go to Google Mail. It was your right. voicemail right? Um, or Google Voice, I should say. It was your it was your it was your voicemail. And, uh, you know, you called me back and we chatted. So you're 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 walking your you're walking your walk. <laughs> well, I hope so. Or you're walking your talk, I guess. You're walking <laughs> I, your talk. I hope so. That's one of the challenges of uh, of, of running a uh, running a marketing agency is we have this, this cobbler's kids challenge a lot of the time where we, we can do a really good uh, job for our clients, but we tend to uh, neglect our own um, outreach and our own websites and and those types of things. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm happy that that, that, that actually worked. Um, yeah, brought us, with, brought us together. Us. So yeah. yeah, it was great. I'm curious, which do you remember which post it was that, uh, that you found compelling? No, it was too long ago. Okay. You no, know, it was over a month ago that we first connected. Uh, I I don't know if it was about your book, but was it? Could it have been the release? Had your book just come out recently, or no? No, the book dropped in uh, February last no, year. No, no. So, All right, then I yeah. I knew but you had written a book around. when I well, I knew you had written a book when I called you because mm-hmm. I left your message saying I'd like to have you on the show talk about the book. Um. I don't remember. I don't oh, remember. That's okay. Post. I was just curious to, to if you if you remembered what what thing I said that uh, that made you want to pick up the phone. There was I a think, you know you actually you know what I think you might have commented on something that I commented on too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, obviously I appreciated your comment. I think it, I think it was that. I, I think it was a comment, not a post of yours because yeah. we weren't we weren't connected. So I wouldn't have seen your. Yeah, I think it was. I think you commented on something that I commented on. So, so there's a really great example of of how that relationship building piece can actually function to create another relationship opportunity. Um, where you know, if if I were just using my you know LinkedIn platform to to espouse information and hopefully give some value driven stuff, you and I never would have actually or it would have been less likely for us to have connected because uh, what it took was me going out to someone else's post and, and commenting about, you know, giving them some more information or saying nice post or whatever it was that I said um, that uh, they gave you, you know, got me in front of you. So um, that's a, a really good example of how one can, uh, can leverage that power of social media to, to expand their network. 
It works. It works. Yeah. So yeah. be social. It's, exactly. It's conversation. It is it's, social. All it's right. all about creating conversations. Yes. So let's talk about your four pillars of, of purpose-driven marketing. Why don't sure. you just give us an overview and then, uh, and then let's go in. And I, you know, I got some things I want to talk about for each one, but acquaint us with them first. Sure. So the four pillars as we see them in, in terms of kind of this, this client or, or, or customer life cycle um, is really starts with attraction. And that's how do you get people to come to your properties, whether those are your social properties or your website or your storefront? How do you get out there in the marketplace and, uh, and enable people to find you? And then we move to the bond phase, which is really the, the next step of that conversation where you're not only have you brought people in, so you've, you've created an opportunity for them to find out about you, but now you're creating this opportunity for them to actually get into the fold. So um, to kind of be part of your inner network and, um, and the connection phase, a lot of times requires um, either a value exchange of some, some sort of information. Um, you know, what we're really trying to do is help build those, uh, relationships and help not only, you know, take these people who've now found you and, and enable them to, uh, to have an ongoing relationship and ongoing conversation created. Um, so that's kind of that bond phase. And then the next phase is kind of this convert phase and that would be the salesiest part of this uh, kind of system where essentially this is where we get people to either try or buy from you. And in the nonprofit space, this would be, you know, getting someone to either, um, you know, really take advantage of something that you're offering. So if you think about the, the nonprofit stakeholders, typically there are donors, there are volunteers, there are actual um recipients of the of the nonprofits um benefits and then um you know there can be kind of sponsors and and people in in that frame as well so how do we get those people to actually take some sort of an action um either make a donation volunteer some of their time etc and then in the final phase which is kind of this inspire phase um that's where we're trying to get people to either escalate their engagement so you take a one time donor and get them to become a uh you know a monthly donor you get someone who perhaps is a monthly donor or maybe is a one time donor and get them to bring their their business in as a corporate sponsor um you get someone to escalate um and repeat and then also evangelize for your organization and get out there and really refer you uh tell people that they should be a part of this uh organization as well um or um or even just shouting it out on social media about you know some great volunteer experience that uh, that you had. So those are kind of the main four pillars. And again, you kind of heard me talk about them in a different framework earlier, where you know we're really trying to get people to um, to know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. Those, those are kind of the seven components of those four pillars. Okay. Okay. So before we. Uh dive into each of these, these four, what let, let's let folks know how they can get your, your book uh, mission uncomfortable. Sure. Where- they can, they can uh, download it online. It's uh, I decided to not publish it in a printed format, at least at this current time, trying to save some trees. Um, but it is available at mission uncomfortable book.com. 
Okay. And uh, we'll make sure we, I say that again at the end. So, so uh, attract, connect, bond, inspire. When, when we're at, when we're doing attraction, we're attracting folks. You, you talk a lot, you and Aaron talk a lot about uh, personas. Mm-hmm. You like to rely on those. Uh, uh, explain the the value how, how they work what their value is yeah so a persona is uh, it can also be called an avatar it's essentially an ideal audience so when you start to think about who you're trying to attract to your organization um one of the first things we recommend doing is really doing some exploration in terms of personas and and really getting an understanding of the motivations for your target audience groups, um, what their demographics might look like, um, you know, what, what makes them tick and why would they want to come uh, and, and uh, you know, connect with and participate with your organization. And so when you think of all, there's usually more than one persona. Um, you know, a, a, a volunteer might be a completely different person than a donor, for example. Um, and, and then a, a recipient of your, uh, of your benefits would, you know, potentially be even, even different persona. Um, so build what you can do is build out as many of these as you think you need to in order to get a feel for who it is that you're kind of trying to reach. A lot of times when we build out personas for our, our clients and partners, we really, create a visual um, you know, person that, that people can wrap their arms around. We name them. We find a, a stock photo that's representative of, representative of that person. Oh, you go to photos even. I, I've yeah. heard of naming, giving, giving them names, but you go to photos. Yeah, yeah. Try really to find a picture trying, of somebody. Okay. Yeah, trying to create as much of, a, of, of a, something that you can wrap your arms around when mm-hmm. you're talking about this audience group. Um, and, you know, I would say don't go overboard. Don't, you know, try to overthink it to start because, you know, you can get kind of in the weeds with persona development where all of a sudden you have 15 different personas that you're trying to, to reach and it just becomes confusing. So one of the things that we would recommend is just starting simple and just think about who, you know, if you were thinking of an ideal volunteer, just one of them, and we know that there are many, who would that person be? Um, you know, would they be, uh, a, a, you know, a, a woman uh, between the ages of 35 and 42 who has um, had a career and uh, now has, re- you know, maybe has a little bit more free time in that career, or uh, perhaps even works for a company that offers, uh, you know, matching for volunteer opportunities. Um, you know, does she have children? Is she married? Does, what does she, you know, what does she look like? Who is this person? And, and, you know, maybe her name's Jill and you can just really start to talk about and think about who Jill is when you are planning your marketing, uh, outreach. So does she, play and find information and spend a lot of time on Facebook or is she more on Instagram? Is she out, um, you know, in certain places in the local community where you can, 
can reach her farmers markets, for example, or, um, you know, or perhaps other types of, of events where, where would you need to go to run into and connect with, uh, with Jill and get her to understand who you are and attract her to your organization. And so it really, that persona development really helps you uh, map out your marketing strategies so that you're not spending a bunch of time trying to attract, um, you know, boomers by posting on TikTok. And when you've so identified the, uh, the folks that you want to connect with, because that's what mm-hmm. the, the purpose of the personas is. You're identifying different, different categories of people that you're trying to, to connect with. Then you, you want to focus on delivering some content for them mm-hmm. to connect with. And you have Absolutely. lots of examples of uh, blogs and social networks and podcasts and white papers, et cetera. Talk, talk about, you know, matching the content, I guess, with, 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 uh, for your personas. Yeah. So when we talk about content, we really start with trying to create value exchange here. So this is actually the first transactional piece of the transactional relationship that you're, that you're attempting to build. Um, the end goal may be to get, um, you know, a donation or get somebody to exchange their time to volunteer with you, which is, you know, something of value. But at the onset, um, it's really about getting into this kind of try, um, or tr- trust and try phase. Um, there's a little bit of the like phase in there as well, but at this point, they know who you are. You, now you're really trying to get them to like trust and try your organization. So in this phase of, of the relationship, um, you know, coming up with things that might be beneficial to this person. So for example, um, Leave No Trace is a is a nonprofit organization that is trying to get people to have a better understanding of how they can interact with our open spaces and natural places uh, more effectively. One of the things that I've seen from them in the past are uh, are these great cards that have the leave no trace principles. And, and so they're right there handy. You can have them attached to your pack or in your pocket um, that, that really give people. Presumably um, you don't, you don't leave these cards behind at your campsite. Yes, exactly. These come with you. Yeah. (laughs) Don't litter with the cards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but a, a, you know, a convert phase, you know, kind of opportunity here might be um, either an online version of that card. So people could give, you know, give them their email in order to get this card, get access to this information, or even, uh, you know, provide your address and they might send you one. I don't know exactly what Leave No Trace is doing with these, these types of, uh, of informational items, but that might be a uh, you know, a tactic that they could use to get people to feel like there'd been a value exchanged and, and just to, to continue building that relationship and, and essentially convert them from a stranger to now there's somebody that you kind of know, um, you have uh, some information about them. Uh, now you can actually ask them questions through email. You can ask them to donate. You can ask them, you can, you can escalate that relationship by giving them other items of value. Um, that's where that connect phase comes into play that then you kind of escalate that uh, into the, in, into the bond phase. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's spend a little time with, with uh, connecting. You, you talk about the, uh, 
or I'm sorry, bond, bond comes first and then the, and then the connect. So, <clears throat> oh, no, in the, in the book, you have attract and then connect. Oh, CB. Yes, you're right. I, I apologize. ACB. ACB. Yeah. I got it. I got it all confused. My own. Right, you are a co-author of the book, right? <laughs> I, I am. Yes. Did Aaron, did, did, are you not a ghostwriter to the, I mean, he's not your ghostwriter. <laughs> no. You actually did contribute. Okay. Yes. Yes. We'll, we can wrap it up right now. If, if you're not bona fide, you know, then that's the end. <laughs> no, I, no, I, you're bona fide. Okay. I wrote it. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So connect. Um, you talk about the consistency principle uh, that people like to, as you're connecting mm-hmm. to get people to say yes, or take an action. Say a little about that. I, I like that consistency principle. Can you define that for me? Yeah. So the consistency principle is really getting opportunities to, to make sure that you're being um, intentional and consistent in your outreach. Um, one of the things that we find people do is they, they tend to go in sprints and they'll get really excited about, uh, about building a relationship or, or creating opportunities for outreach. And then they'll do it for a little while and then they'll drop off for, for months at a time. And, um, you know, essentially creating an intention and creating a commitment to, uh, to outreach and to, these activities and then sticking with that is, uh, is something that we, we talk a lot about. One of the things that people tend to do is they set their goals too high and they say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting all excited about this. I'm going to, I'm going to do a blog post a day. And, uh, and then they look at that, that goal that they've set and they say, (laughs) I can't do this. And we have this tendency, people have this tendency to think that, that missing a goal is a total failure as opposed to, you know, you got part of the way there. Um, and so what tends to happen is if we set a, a great big goal and then we start missing that goal, we think, okay, well, I might as well do nothing because, you know, zero is as big a failure as 75%. So, One of the things in terms of goal setting that we really recommend is starting slow, creating an opportunity to create a smart goal, something that you can actually achieve um, and, uh, and, and start to feel what a win looks like. And then, you know, as you've built that consistency, go ahead and, and elevate that goal a little bit as you, as, as you get better at it. So I'd much rather see, uh, one of our clients, um, you know, set a goal of, of one blog post a month. If they're not doing any, let's do mm-hmm. one a month, get good at that until that feels easy. And then, then we can talk about doing two a month or, or one a week or even, you know, a couple, a, a couple a week. Um, but what tends to happen is people get really excited about things and say, I'm going to, I'm going to knock this out of the park. And then they don't, they haven't built those consistency um, habits. And so things kind of fall by the wayside and then they end up doing nothing. It's time for Tony's take two planned giving accelerator. I'm recruiting for the January class right now. If you'd like to join me, like to learn together, step-by-step how to launch planned giving at your nonprofit PlannedGivingAccelerator.com has all the information that you need. Of course, you could be in touch with me through the site, ask any questions you might have. Uh, the course is six months. You'll spend an hour a week learning how to launch your planned giving program. And not only learning from me, learning from your classmates, the other members who are in your class with you, the peer-to-peer support is phenomenal. 
the way folks open up, they ask questions about challenges they've got. You know, I haven't tried everything. So we, it's open to the, to the class to help each other. I mean, I've got my ideas, but everybody's got theirs too. And you get that peer support. One member says, uh, she calls it her safety net, plan giving accelerator. So if you're not doing planned giving, or if you have like a more abundant planned giving program, which is really no program, you know, deep down, if you admit that there's really just not a program, if you want to take a look at planned giving accelerator, I'll get you going, launch your program and grow it between me and your peers. It's all at plannedgivingaccelerator.com. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got buku, but loads more time for purpose-driven marketing. And and what's happening in, in our relationship as we're, we've moved from attract to connect? Yeah. What, what's happening there? Yeah. So in that, in that attract phase, you're essentially hanging your, your sign out and saying, Hey, we exist, come check this out. And, and then in the connect phase, you're really trying to provide valuable information that enables people to, um, to take an action that gets them kind of deeper into the fold. So that's one thing about email. People think, for example, and particularly in the nonprofit space, email is an amazing tool. Um, yes, we all get a ton of junk email on a daily basis. And we also get a, a lot of non-junk email, but depending upon who your audience is and for nonprofits, a lot of times that audience, particularly in the donor seat are kind of these people in the boomer um, age range, that demographic really still does rely very heavily on email. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of their chief modes of communication. Um, they email is one of these places that feels like you have some control over it. Uh, you can kind of choose to read it or not read it. You can unsubscribe if you, if you would like. So there's a little bit more of a, a feeling of control with email. And then also, um, this is a place where people have actually raised their hand. So it's not just social media where, you know, maybe you got into somebody's feed through some algorithm or, or magically or got referred in. There's a, a sense of, people have actually taken an action. So that's why we find list building and, and trying to create that connection and trying to get people into your um, your your email list is a really valuable um, component of, of this kind of four pillar system. Okay. Right. And then bonding is next. Yeah. Bonding is really where you're solidifying that uh, relationship and you're providing ongoing, again, consistency is key here, ongoing opportunities for, um, value-driven, uh, you know, exchange uh, systems within the within the bond phase. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier in terms of creating opportunities to um, to share information, to share physical items, to uh, you know, to provide people with solutions to their problems. And in the nonprofit space, this gets a little um, a little, I guess, nebulous. It's a little hard to figure out how. Uh, to create these types of value exchange opportunities. But this is where 
there are, there are a few things that go into come into play here. One is if you can create an opportunity to position your nonprofit as kind of the guide in this story where mm-hmm. your constituent, your donor, your volunteer, even, even the people that the beneficiaries are the heroes of the story. And you're just facilitating this opportunity for somebody, for a donor to be the hero in this uh, beneficiary's story that then creates this kind of experience in our minds where we, we start to see ourselves as the, as that hero and, um, and really feel compelled to continue uh, kind of serving that role in that, in that kind of relationship. You have a, a tip in the book. Uh, I think it's mostly related. Well, no, not, not necessarily to, to websites, but I'll use a website example where you, mm-hmm. You say if some if you pre ask someone to if they want something, you get them to set and they say yes. Then at the next step, they'll be more likely to do the thing that you actually want them to do because they said you, you sort of you got them in the habit, even though it was only one step, one step removed. You got them in the habit of saying yes, so they're more likely to do the the real thing that you want. Can you can you flesh that out a little bit? That, that was an interesting uh, yeah strategy. It seems counterintuitive. I think that most people who've studied marketing have heard the, you know, reduce the number of clicks to purchase, for example. Right. Streamline, um, make it as seamless yeah, as possible. Yeah, don't. As smooth yeah. as possible. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is where I would encourage nonprofits to try different things. But um, the example that we, I believe I used in the book um, was essentially instead of giving people a form to fill out immediately give them a, a yet an actual action to take. So if you say, would you like more information instead of just having, yeah, this is an example, instead of just having a form there where I put in my name and my email address and click, yeah. click yes, go ahead and say, would you like more information? Yes, no. And when people click yes, then it takes them to a page with the form on it. And again, it's a little counterintuitive, but the conversion rate on that form, if you, if you put it behind that yes, no kind of gate, yeah, it can actually be higher than the conversion. If you just put the form out in front, um, there's a, a interesting psychological thing that happens. And one of my coaches, his name is Townsend Wardlaw. He's a really great guy. Um, he always asks permission before providing any sort of information. So for example, Tony, if I had just sent you my book out of the blue without you asking for it, the likelihood that you would have done anything with that would be a much lower than if, if I said, Hey, would you like my book? And you say yes. And then I say, okay, and I'll send it to you. Um, similarly, Townsend always says, ask permission. You know, if, would you like, would you like my help with that? Would you like me to, to share that? with you. Um, you know, I have a story that I can tell about this. Would you like to hear it? And, and that's priming the pump for you to say, nah, I'm not interested, which saves us both a bunch of time. Cause now you don't have to listen to me ramble on about a story that you weren't interested in. Yeah. And it also primes that pump for, for you to be even more receptive to the story once it's, once it's delivered. So it, it works in, you know, not only in just marketing, but even in just conversational um, interactions. I've had folks talk about permission-based soliciting for, mm-hmm. for gifts. You know, 
in a couple of days, could I be in touch with you about investing in whatever, you know, the work or the program that's there of interest to them? Could, mm-hmm. could, I, could I be in touch, you know, in a, in a few days on that? Yeah. And ask their permission. That's exactly, exactly in line with what you're saying. You know, yeah. ask their permission and then be in touch in a couple of days, if, assuming they say yes. Yeah, that's a, an actually a really great kind of cold call um, tactic where instead of you know, cold calls are very disruptive. So in the yeah. sales, in the sales space, so for any executive directors out there who are, who are, um, you know, soliciting donations from, from either, you know, big, big corporations or, or, you know, seeking to get larger donors into the fold. One of the things that is more effective is to acknowledge that this call has been disruptive and try and get something on the calendar as opposed to trying to pitch them in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so similar, similar thing, you, you know, can I, can we, can we talk on Tuesday at, at three um, instead of saying, well, I'll just jump right into the, to this thing that you didn't actually ask me to, to pitch. Yeah. And you didn't know it was coming. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Permission-based. I get, I think Seth Godin has been talking about permission-based marketing for years. Mm-hmm. And it's pervaded other areas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, you know, why not? And you're right. If the person says no, then you're saving both of you <laughs> the anguish of going through a, going through an exercise that neither one of you, it's going to be fruitless for one of you. And the other person isn't the least bit interested. So yeah, if you want to do something that's uninteresting and fruitless. Yeah. And you've also created, what I pursue. A, you've created an exchange um, in terms of a back and forth. And so that's, you know, that works as a, um, you know, there's a conversation that's happened there. Mm-hmm. You, you listened. So you, uh, you know, you, it, it positions you just a lot differently. Yeah. You listened and you honored the person's choice. Mm-hmm. So I, I called you here. I am calling Tuesday at, uh, at four o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're inspiring next, Stu. So inspiration. Ins- inspiring. So uh, yeah, after after this bond phase where you've actually gotten somebody to become a volunteer or make a donation or um, you know get get on your list of corporate sponsors or something like that from uh, from a nonprofit standpoint. Um, the inspire phase is really where we're attempting to get people to take a, another action. So. Um, there's an old, again, kind of sales adage that it's much easier to sell to someone who's already purchased from you than it is to sell to somebody new. Um, we tend to get really excited about new relationships and new sales tend to be the thing that get people excited. How many new donors did you bring in, um, last year? You know, those, those types of things get, get pretty exciting. However, it's a lot easier lift to get somebody to donate again than it is to get to somebody to donate for the first time. So in the inspire phase, uh, you know, let's just use donors again as, as an example. Um, we're really trying to get people to repeat and refer. Um, so get people to, to become a regular donor, um, get people to donate again. Um, you know, thinking about escalation here. And, and again, if you think about your, um, your different kind of audience types, and I, I do some volunteer work with volunteers for outdoor Colorado. And they're a great organization here in the state that does a lot of trail building and advocacy uh, for kind of outdoor spaces. And 
I believe the first interaction that I had with their organization was as a volunteer. And so I decided I wanted to volunteer on a project and then I became a donor. Um, so essentially they, you know, gave me opportunities to, they inspired me, um, you know, through not only all of the fun things that we were able to do during our, our, uh, our day of, of digging in the dirt. Um, but also, uh, you know, just, just through all of the great things that they're doing around the state, um, inspired me to become a donor and then inspired me to take a, an additional volunteer step to become a crew leader. And so essentially they're doing a really good job of kind of escalating that engagement, um, through this inspire phase. They also, um, you know, encourage all of their volunteers and all of their donors to share, uh, share their stories to uh, spread the word about their organization. So that's that kind of refer phase. So, you know, really. Like you're doing right this moment. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Using them as an example of, uh, of a great organization. Um, so that's what that, uh, that, you know, that's where that, that kind of inspire phase comes into play, you know, getting people yeah. to evangelize about your organization, getting people to, to, you know, share stories, to come back, to move from, you know, just giving you $10 at some events to giving you, you know, $10 per month. Um, so, you know, just getting really creative and staying in touch with people. That's the thing that tends to happen is, um, you know, people fall off on the, on those activities because they're, they are a little less, um, exciting than get, bringing a new donor into the fold. Um, but, you know, really making sure that you have a, a referral program, you have something to get people to leave reviews, you get something um, for people to share their stories and have a campaign associated with that, that keeps people, keeps you at top of mind and then keeps people kind of coming back for more. Yeah. You make the point of thinking about this as investment not mm -hmm. expense, mm -hmm. and not to look at cost of a new cost of a donor acquired or cost of sale or something like that, but as an investment in yeah. the organization and, and, and these relationships. Yeah, we hear a lot in the nonprofit space, particularly when it bumps up against marketing, that any dollar that I spend that isn't spent directly toward the core mission is a dollar taken away from that core mission. And we'd like for people to approach marketing for nonprofits a little differently where they see non, they see their marketing, uh, as an, as an investment in that core message and an opportunity to expand and, um, amplify that message so that it becomes, it enables them to, to reach even more people. Um, and so that slight mindset shift can be really important when one starts to undertake marketing endeavors, because, you know, it is money being, um, you know, coming out of the, yeah. out of the program, but really making sure that you have, have a plan, you have goals, that they're reasonable, that you're measuring, that you're tracking, that you're actually looking at this expense um, or this investment as, uh, as something that's going to grow your mission and, and just keeping tabs on that and, and making sure that you have those systems in place so that you know that the, you know, whatever money you invested in marketing, um, is creating a, a return on that investment. Yeah. Yeah. Please get, get past this insidious myth that 
a myth of overhead, you know, that marketing is overhead and technology is overhead, needless, you know, these are investments in your future. Uh, you and I are talking about investments in relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationships are only going to grow. And as, as folks refer you, you know, we talked about repeat giving and referring as folks refer you, the, the, the relationships are going to expand yeah. beyond what you can imagine yeah. But it takes investment. It takes so yeah. yeah. And that's why effort. why having a system in place is so important. And and that's what that's one of the reasons I wrote Mission Uncomfortable was to enable people to have a some kind of understanding of a system in place for their marketing so that they could feel more empowered with that investment and and more comfortable with that investment that they're making in in uh, their outreach. That's a perfect place to leave it, Stu. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. The book is Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. You get it at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Stu Swineford, the uh, studio is, the practice is Relish Studio, and he and the company are at Relish Studio and relishstudio.com. So I, 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 now I've just said the word relish three or five <laughs> times in the past two sentences. Why is it Relish Studio? Relish Studio uh, came about as a kind of a play on words where this is something that is a, that little extra spice on top that makes things extra uh, good as okay. well as something that we love to do. So, you know, one of the things that, that really inspires me to work with nonprofit leaders is um, just it, it's really easy to get out of bed in the morning and, and work with these types of clients because we know that everybody's out there trying to make the world a better place. That's cool. That's a great double play relish, the condiment, the condiment studio. Relish yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah. All right. Studio.com. Stu, thank you again. Thanks very much. Great to Thanks have you. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Next week is a social enterprise for you. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy, and this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great 